This season turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now, one truth, life, one way to his throne. Day, February 1st, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 417. Repping the company merch. My name is Caleb Hag. <laughs> Not repping. I'm Rob Van Hoff. I'm going to let yeah, Caleb have the glory of the, the merch today. Let me tell you guys something. For those who have not Dude, figured it I out. I would guess yet. that your t-shirt underneath is even merch. Well, actually, since you say, <laughs> say it's <laughs> since you brought it up. Boom. Yeah. Messiah matters. <laughs> it's like Superman. He's got yeah, a, exactly. it's like he's got the super and then he goes and there's another S underneath. Exactly. Um yeah, and actually new fun stuff in the merch department. We got hats. Hats are up and live and available. Everything from the snow cap with the little ball on top, trucker hats. Panel hats. It's good. It's good. This is the greatest. All my dreams are going to be true. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, welcome to everybody in the chat room. And actually, before we... It's like I voted for Pedro. <laughs> exactly. Before we move on, we do need to address something. Uh, we're going to... Speaking of dress... We're going to do this. Okay, so uh, Love is Bigger has given us a super chat. She always likes our weights and measures, and I always choose another one. So we're going to choose this. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. Weights and measures. You've been blessed. Thank you to Love is Bigger for your super chat. And uh, yeah, welcome <laughs> to everybody in the chat room. All right. Well, uh, so my wife asked what we were talking about today, and I said, well, 
That's a good question. I call these shows the mixed bag shows. And the reason I call them that is because we don't really have a main topic today. What we do is we have taken uh, different comments from YouTube shorts that we've made or from our Mystery Bible Theater 3000. And there's no real main topic. It's all just kind of uh, answering uh, answering questions and objections. That's basically what the show is today. And so, uh, yeah, we could just jump in. Do you want, I mean... Let me ask you this before we before we jump into a topic, Rob. Have you submitted anything for the SBL uh, annual meeting? Oh, not yet. No, the the slacker. The, the call, yeah, no doubt. The call for papers just opened up like last week, and they give you, I think, mid March. I think they want you to get something in. Yeah. So I've got I've got some things cooking. What are you doing? One or two? You gonna you gonna submit one or two this well, year? Well, I I usually like to submit two in case. One doesn't get Just, accepted. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, the last several times I think I've done that, I've got both approved. So then I have that extra pressure. But, uh, you know, now that you've SPL submitted a bunch, is, you're always going to be approved. Now that you've, now yeah, that you've that, presented, they, they know you. They'd be, oh, yeah. No, but I, I know, but I've had papers where they've said no before. I've had times where I submitted something there they're like, uh, it doesn't really fit I have, what we're looking I at. have only had papers where they've said no. <laughs> That's why I, my, my, my philosophy on that is just volume. Like just keep, uh, you know. I, I realized that, uh, well, I'm glad that the first, pa- I've only submitted one paper uh, ever. And it was on whether or not there was one or two cups in Luke 22. And to be honest with you, I'm very happy that it got rejected because I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was worth, I mean, it would have been fine, but I don't think it was SBL worthy. Um, well, we'll see. You know, yeah, you just keep, keep at it. Um, to me, it's a, it's an opportunity to refine my own thinking. That's really what it is. It's like putting yourself on the spot in the hot seat, you know, to, to articulate your picture, you know, what uh, your thoughts and, and and then give the reason for why you're, you know, uh, making this claim. And then you're, sure. putting, you're putting that to the fire because you're putting it to people who, like in my instance, know way more than I do. And they know the text better than I do. But I, how else am I going to, you know, it's to me, it's it's real, real good opportunity to, to learn and, and be refined. So, but as of yet, I have not sent any proposals i uh i don't know what's going on with my chat room but it's not keeping up so i apologize to everyone who uh is making comments and i'm not like responding hey i want can can i can i segue uh well you can in just one second give me just one second two five three Oh, wait, hang on. C-Hag at TorResource.com, C-H-E-G-G at TorResource.com, 253-465-3205. It's how you can get a hold of us. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Segway away. But back to the idea of, you know, you're you're pursuing higher education. Yeah. You're, you're pursuing education in two disciplines right now, yeah. really. I mean, in terms of uh, Truth. the mar- martial arts uh, being the second one, uh, aside from pursuing graduate studies in, in theology and, and Bible. And, and then we were just talking about SBL and, and, and presenting where we're going and, and refining our own thinking, because we want to grow as individuals. We want to grow. We want to be good stewards of what God has given us so that we grow and be more fruitful for his kingdom. And, and the segue is, you know, recently we've gotten some feedback from people who really don't like what we're doing on certain fronts really um, don't like and, and, what and, we're and doing they have to do with emotional they they it, it, at least the, the ones that come to mind i won't mention names are are displeased they've expressed strong displeasure with our what well, particularly my expression of emotion so if i express disgust for right. a certain uh quote ministry or if i laugh at right. a, a ministry in both instances, I've get, I get feedback that this is like ungodly, that I'm like, uh, like the mean girls or whatever like that. Like, I don't know what that is. I, I think it's a movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> so somehow, and then I should repent, you know, stuff like this. Okay. Of whether I'm laughing at someone who's teaching the Bible 
foolishly, meaning they're, they're teaching foolishly. And I'm laughing at that. Or if I express disgust and uh, for, for what someone else is doing, both sure. of those are apparently sins that I need to repent for. What I want to just add to this is you and I, whether we're doing Messiah Matters in our 10th season, whether we're doing, you know, the Hoff goes off in old, old school style, or whether we're doing mystery science or mystery Bible theater 3000, we are not withholding anything from anybody. We're not asking anybody to do anything that we ourselves have not done. We're not, we're not saying like, oh, we have, we have all these goods and we're not giving you any, but we're just going to stay here and, and hoard our goods and sure. then laugh at, laugh at the poor folk who don't have anything. That's not what we're doing. We are, you know, for 10 years now, we've been pretty much weekly given, you know, occasional little breaks, but giving, 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 giving openly, 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 openly pursuing our own education at the same time growing. So when I laugh at somebody because they're, they're being a fool, putting themselves up as an authority when in fact they're not, and they're actually misleading or whether I express disgust for somebody who's leading people down the wrong path. I believe that, that there's nothing wrong with that because, because our message is going out over and over and over and over again and has consistently for a decade now. And if we include Torah resource Institute or Torah resource more broadly, we've got deep roots. We're not flipping and flopping. We're not changing our, um, changing our tune. It's all publicly available um, information messaging that has, has been consistent and deeply rooted in the word of God. And we're pursuing our own excellence, our own, um, our own refining development. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to me, it, there's no withholding involved here. There's no, there's no not sharing. We have been open and sharing. And so for the people that I think are fools, the people for whom, uh, you know, that I laugh at or the people that I express disgust concerning, I'm not going to repent of that. You know what I mean? I, I, those people, it's, it's, it's not as if the information is not available to them. It's that they are, they are not doing what they should be doing. And I think it's funny sometimes. I think it's disgusting sometimes, but even deeper in both situations, whether I'm laughing or feeling some disgust, there's a deeper sadness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you on that. For, the, for You know what I mean? For, for the, for their choices and their persistence in, in doing something that is being billed as teaching Yeshua's flock the truth when in fact they're leading Yeshua's flock astray. I, yeah, I'm, I, not I gonna fall, I'm not going to apologize for it. I fall on two sides of, of the fence. One side of the fence that I fall on is maybe I should just not care what other people think or believe or teach. If, if they want to believe that, that's fine. That's over there. I'm just going to continue to teach and and, and uh, speak the truth of what I believe the Bible says. And that's the approach that I've taken on like pronomian.com. I don't, I'm not going to interact with, you know, it's not like I'm going to be calling people out. I'm just going to teach what I think the Bible says. But then we come into a realm like this. And this is a little different because we have people constantly sending us stuff, asking us about teachings, asking us about various things. We've been very upfront. Uh, and, and, uh, so in that respect, I, I think that if I laugh, uh, it's usually because I'm hiding the, uh, the laughter is to hide the emotional overload that is sadness because I really feel a, a deep sadness for people who, um, you know, and, and some people, some people are genuine in their, uh, in being misled, 
they don't realize. They just think that they're, you know, they, they, they really believe what they're saying. I think there are some people who, uh, kind of, they know that they're, they know that they're, they're not quite doing the work that they should be doing, but they're trying to get away with it anyway. I think that that's not the norm. I think the norm is, is that people really believe what they're saying. And uh, the thing is, is that I've realized, and I, I don't know if this is because of our, our uh, like we're getting new uh, listeners and whatnot, but it's becoming more and more difficult for me to keep up with emails and with comments. So that tells me that the audience is growing because we, I'm, I'm getting, uh, I'm becoming overloaded with uh, a significant amount of, of uh, email, which is good. It's, that's a good thing. I, that's a good problem to have. Um, we're creating jobs, man. It won't be long. We'll have to have somebody <laughs> checking our emails for Messiah Matters, which is, which is great. But um, we're, you know. But, but I can see what the people think. Oh, you're, you know, it's elitist. Like you guys, you know, you're, you're elitist, you, you know. And, and I, I get that with the Bible languages, too. You know, like, oh. It, and, and, and it's like, okay. You know, if, if you want to view it that way, you know, I, you know, what can I say? I, I'm not, I didn't, it wasn't my decision that the Bible would be in Hebrew and Aramaic and we, Greek, you know, we, we got a comment the other day. I got a comment from someone who basically was uh, trying to slaughter me over the Trinity and saying, oh, well, yeah, when you debated Sean Griffin, you know, he just slaughtered you and I understand why I understand why people would think that and how that looks. But I use that as an example because someone like Sean Griffin was really difficult to talk to because I brought up suzerain vassal treaties. Now, and the more I learn about anything, the more I realize I know nothing, right? Like as you start to peel back the the layers of the onion, you start to realize like, man, this thing is it's infinity. It just like it just keeps going and the more I learn, the more I realize how big the mountain is that you I'm standing in front of. It just keeps folding it. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah. But, but the, sorry. But the point, point with, with bringing up like Sean Griffin is I bring up something like Caesar and Vassal treaties and he doesn't know what those are. So how are you supposed to have a conversation with somebody about, about you know, uh, someone being a, a uh, you know, a representation or whatnot if you're, if you don't even know what it's like, you haven't even, right, right. You, you haven't mm. even learned the very, very basics of this. So how are we supposed to have a conversation about it? So, um, so what you're suggesting then that I agree with is that how, you know, if we're not even starting on the same table of like right. what biblical education looks like, sure, especially when you have, you know, we've heard it <clears throat> by different people say, oh, they call seminaries cemeteries, like the, on a wordplay, because, oh, that's where they go to learn how not to read the Bible or something right. like that. And, uh, that's an infection in the, that's an, that's an infection in the Hebrew roots movement though. Hmm. And and what's interesting is, is that you have two sides of, of a very different coin in the Hebrew roots movement. You have people who say, Oh, no education, cemeteries, not seminaries. But then you have people who are like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I went to school and you look up the school and it's like, they paid $2,000 to have 15 quarter hours to get their doctorate. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's diploma mills. So, and it's like, and that's not across board. There are people in the Hebrew roots movement who have gone through legit school. I'm trying to think of some right now. It's hard. It, honestly, it's hard to, it's hard to think of people like that within the Hebrew roots movement. Okay. Let's, let's go to a, let's go to a topic that's actually in the show notes. <laughs> and when I say show notes, I say my show notes. Okay. I think this is Lewis. I think it's Lewis. It could be Louise. My my spelling is awful. I think it's Louis. <laughs> That's all right, dude. <laughs> I listened to the recent Messiah Matters L, video. Just say L. L, yeah. I listened to the to the recent Messiah Matters video and enjoyed mm-hmm. it. You were mentioning honoring the Sabbath and being a part of a Sunday fellowship. So for, uh, let's just catch the audience up. I know everyone in the chat room already knows this. For those who don't know, I uh, my family and I uh, attend a Sunday uh, church. And uh, we're very blessed to be there currently. And uh, we don't know what the Lord has in store for us, but uh, right now he's placed us there. And we're, we're, very, we're very blessed to be where the Lord has placed us. Anyway, so uh, this is where Lewis, I think it's Lewis. This is where Lewis is, uh, is, is talking to. I myself try my best to honor the Sabbath. Or I would say I'm growing into it. 
but also fellowship at my father-in-law, uh, my father-in-law's Sunday church. I find that we do the same, but my question is with children. How do you prevent them from being confused? Like if they ask, Dad, so, so it is Lewis, Dad, why do we go to church on Saturdays and Uncle and Papa uh, go on Sundays? Any wisdom that you can share regarding explaining to children? Appreciate it. Yeah, this is a, uh, children are really uh, a focal point for anyone who has them when it comes to teaching faith, right? I mean, I think that we're, we're commanded to teach our children of the faith. It's a, it's a very difficult job, I think. I think it's one of our most difficult jobs to do is to uh, teach our children the faith. Um, so how do I navigate this? I have four kids, for those who don't know, um, and they range in age from one year old up to 10 years old. Um, we have found that a lot of what we believe is also uh, preached and taught at the church that we go to, which is one of the reasons that we chose the church that we go to. Um, so um, one of the things that I have found extremely encouraging is that um, many of the Sunday school teachers have either are pursuing MDivs or have them at our church, which is is great. Um, and so there's there's no lack of of Bible education. Okay, with that said, obviously there are things that we disagree with. Our church is not a nominational, but uh, I would say that they're Presbyterian, even though they're not a nominational. Uh, and so there are things like infant baptism that we see on a regular basis. We see a very high emphasis on grace through uh, grace being imparted through the Lord's Supper, which is communion, which is taken every single week. And what I've done in those situations, and uh, Rob has older children, so maybe he can speak to this as well, but um, what I've done in those situations is I have attempted to ask my children questions. Usually the car ride home is asking questions to my kids. Um, so, you know, uh, things like, well, uh, we did communion, but... Uh, why, why do, why do uh, we do communion at the church? And we'll talk about the verses where the church gets things uh, that, that uh, play into the, the theology of communion, um, like Luke 22. And then I'll ask questions like, okay, so uh, at our previous church, why didn't we do that every week? So it's those kind of questions. Or, um, you know, they, they baptize a baby this, this morning. Do we agree with that? Just asking questions. I've always decided to, I've always approached talking to my kids about theology as if they were adults. Obviously, you have to talk on their level a little bit, but for the most part, I'm not going to dumb things down. I'm going to try to explain as best I can. Now, with that said, and I will pass this over to you real quick, Rob, but with that said, there, there are times when I will start to explain things. I'll get about a minute and a half in, and my daughter will say something like, you know, my Barbie or, you know, so it's, it's obvious that uh, I have lost the audience and that's fine. That's, I think that that's fine because those, those same conversations are going to come up again and again and again. And so for me, it's not necessarily about whether or not they get it the first time or they're understanding the theological implications that I'm trying to give them. It's more about me attempting to constantly say the same things over and over again. So almost like a catechism, right? So that they in uh, growing up, when they grow up more, they will understand, uh, have it in their head, the reasons that dad believed these things. Okay. Uh, Rob? Yeah, great, great question from Lewis. The, um, it seems to me that if, if a son or daughter is engaged enough in their mind and they're tracking that they're going to ask a question, in other words, they're their thinking is sophisticated enough to where they're going, how come we do this and they do that? They're ready. They're asking historical right. uh, questions whose answer are going to require a broadened historical frame. I think that's wonderful because right. what, what it shows they're ready for is a little more dose of reality. And that dose of reality is you know, just are, are coming face to face with the difficulties of how culture has developed over the last 2000 years and how religion has, is a big part of that culture. 
So it opens up the discussion to world history, history of interpretations, um, Jewish tradition, Christian tradition, the Reformation, you know, between, you know, even the reformers weren't all on the same page with, with respect to Sunday. You know, Luther said, no, Sunday's not the Sabbath, you know. So, whereas others say every day is the Sabbath, right? So, so there, there's, it's, it's a question that is an entry into a very rich uh, mode of, of theological learning. And so I, I would be encouraged by that kind of question. Secondly, I would also, you know, uh, my kids are in the, in their twenties, they're in the world doing their thing and they're kind of testing you know, they're in a phase of, of kicking the tires on what they've received and, and they need to come to their own grounding of, of, of things. And, and I trust that process, you know, that's my process. You know, I, I have to, I can't ask anything of, of whether it's my children or my students, I can't ask anything of anybody that doesn't include the grace that God has shown me and the, and, and the learning and the time by his grace and the learning curve and how, you know, some ideas take a while, you know, we're, we're so embedded in different cultural definitions of this or that, you know, we're kind of programmed. Sure. And each one of us has a unique historical position. And we, when we come to value the things of the kingdom, we start being transformed but it doesn't happen overnight, right? It does. It doesn't happen overnight, and and so, um, as parents, I think prayer covering with our spouse over well, and as the as the men of the household, we need to take seriously our sole responsibility for prayer covering over our wife and kids, but also secondarily, co prayer united with our with our wives, right? Praying for our marriage and for our family and that that has to be at least once daily that that is like super high priority and we have to recognize that i i know i don't have all the answers you know and so i can't present to anybody like again my kids my students that i have all the answers because i don't that would be lying that would be trying to be something i'm not so I, I see it more of, okay, this is an issue of stewardship. This is an issue of trusting God, guiding us on our walk with him. And that we don't always have, a, you know, more or less clear picture. Sometimes we have a little more clarity. Sometimes it's a little more foggy, but praise God, he's got us. It's it's, right. like I, it's my, my position in God's covenant is not a function of my personal strength, of my fortitude, of my faith. Now, faith is required, but we belong to Yeshua. So he's he accomplished something, and I am growing by his grace in what he has accomplished. And he's going to prune me when I need to be pruned. He's going to encourage me when I need to be encouraged. And my job is to learn what it means to seek first the kingdom. And so my point in this is these kind of questions and difficulties with kids and like, oh, you know, our, our part of our family does this, part of our family does that. Let that be an introduction to the larger historical difficulties that we have in our day and age, waiting for Yeshua to return. And we're, we always want to bring back to our kids the greatest commandment, love of God, love, love one another, and there's there's no way to please God if I'm not prioritizing those things, because that's Yeshua's instruction for us. So I could be saying, well, we keep the Sabbath and they keep Sunday and da da da. I got to be real careful if I start making that seem like terms of righteousness. Right. Yeah. When in fact my goal is clear. Am, how do I show God's love to these people, even if it's a Sunday? You know, I'm going to show God's love uh, to these people, and I'm going to show God's love here, and and then 
when the time is right, I'm going to keep, you know, if my conviction is to keep the Sabbath, I'm going to do my best to, to retain that and to teach that. But if that ends up being the issue and I, and somehow I am, because in anything, it doesn't even have to be the Sabbath. It could be someone, it could be someone who's built, who really is convicted on thinking Sunday's the day. If they start making that the issue and it becomes a food for pride. Well, so who's, who's winning now? You know, so yeah, in the yeah, long I, run, I, just to, if I could just read basically the summary, thanks for letting me ramble on this, is that what do we want our kids to take from us? In my view, in the, if we think long game, not short game, we're thinking long game, they're going to see just like the prodigal son saw. He's like, Ooh, he went out into the world and he thought, Oh, you know what? I remember how my, how my dad treats people. And I remember, and I look at how I'm doing it and I want to go be back by him again. You know what I mean? It's that's long game anyway. So, I, I mean, I, I think that, uh, obviously different age children are going to have, you're going to have to have different responses and things like, you know, with my, with my three-year-old and I did this, I've done this with all of my kids when they were two, three years old, I'll ask very simple questions. I know that my, my three-year-old is, is not picking up the uh, in-depth conversations that my 10-year-old and I are having on the way home from church about the Sabbath or about communion. I, I, I realize that. So that's not, I'm not trying to say that everyone should just have the same conversations with your kids no matter the, the same age. I ask my young kids the same questions. Who made you? And I'll ask this <laughs> throughout the day. You know, I right. asked this to my son last night when I was getting him ready for a bath. Hey, Levi, who made you? God made me. That's right. Why did God make you? I don't know. Well, God made you to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. Oh, Amen. so now that, you know, and as I, I'll ask these questions every day, every other day, um, you know, I ask my, and some, sometimes my wife will be like, I think that's a little over his head. So for instance, yesterday I asked, uh, Levi was carrying. How his do you Bible. parse this infinitive absolute, Levi? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a no, that's a Hebrew joke. For... <laughs> no, but I I I, uh, he, I gave him my old pocket Bible, and so it's you know it's it's a and he my three year old loves to sit down and watch Holy Holy Holy, which is his favorite song, um, and he'll grab his Bible and 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 uh, watch Holy Holy Holy, and so I said to him, I said, is that he like said, a this Michael is, W. Smith. Or, holy, holy, holy. No, it's an old hymn. Holy, holy. No, I know, but it, it, oh, it's his performance. I think it's one. Nate and Nate or something like that is okay, what he anyway, watches. He's, he's got it on a playlist, which is on repeat, by the way. Not, nonetheless. So he said, I got my Bible. And I said, Levi, how many books are in the Bible? I don't know. I said, there are 66 books in the Bible. So this is another one of those kind of small little th questions that I'll yeah. constantly ask so that when he is 10, it's just like, it's like the catechism. Boom. There it is. There's 66 books in the canon, you know, these kind of things. So, um, but as kids grow, we expand that conversation. Okay. Uh, so if, if you ask a question in the chat room and I see it and I think that's worthy of a full conversation, sometimes what we'll do is we'll get to it in the same show. And sometimes we'll have to save it. If I say that I put it into the show notes, that means that it's in the show notes and it will most likely get talked about within the next week or two. James in the chat room, however, uh, asked this, and I think it applies to our current conversation about talking to kids. James says, I don't have kids and don't actually talk with children. Fair. So what kinds of religious conversations do you think is appropriate to have around kids that are not yours? Yeah, I think that uh, obviously... Um, it's a little odd if parents are trying to have in-depth religious conversations with children that are not their own. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I think that it's always appropriate to have conversations with other adults about basically any topic in the Bible that is not of a overly sexualized nature. So for instance, uh, I would not bring up, uh, you know, adultery is usually not something that I'd want to talk to, uh, talk about in front of young children, because I'm going to leave that for their parents to explain to them what that is. Uh, fornication is another one. Bestiality, any of these uh, sexually immoral sins, homosexuality, those kind of things, I'm going to leave I'm going to leave alone until the little ears are out of the, uh, out of, out of earshot. Same with things like uncleanness. And you know, this is this. 
So age appropriate. You're just talking about eight, what they call just age, age appropriate. Age appropriateness, but ultimately, yeah. when you're, uh, I think that kids pick up more than we understand, or more than we give them credit for. So when we talk about things like, you know, the doctrines of grace, the Trinity, the early church councils, any of those kind of things, whether or not we agree with them or not. That's not the issue. When we talk about those things, the kids hear the back and forth. And it might be on the very simplest uh, understanding. You know, dad disagrees with this person. And I think that they were talking about X, you know, and maybe they don't even have it right. Um, but it's those kind of things. And the, the push-pull is, you know, the pill-pull, as, as is known, uh, is one of the things that I think is good for children to see, which is two adults that disagree on something biblical but are able to have a civil conversation about it, not get angry with each other, disagree, maybe even vigorously disagree with each other on, uh, on, nature, on, on theological uh, issues, but at the same time, um, at the same time, be able to sit down and have a meal with each other afterwards. I think that that is just as important as the theological things as well. And uh, yeah, James says we have a new problem with woke and, and trans. And, and those are things that we are trying, I think many adults are trying to shield their children from, uh, even though it's being, uh, you know, it's, it's pro propagandized in, in the schools and whatnot. Um, but with that said, uh, I think that those are the, th I, I think it, people just need to be aware of age appropriateness. That's, that's what I would say. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Um, hang on. I'm just, uh, bang it with me. Okay. Um, we're going to go to Lewis again. Another comment from Lewis. And now that I remember who this Lewis is, it is Lewis. Okay. I know that the early believers congregated in homes for fellowship, but is it a different situation for one to just start a home fellowship with friends and family instead of going to a local community where there is a pastor's uh, pastor, pastors, or board of elders? I also understand that this may be situational. This is a, I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit. In, uh, in, in past shows. And it's a great question. A lot of people don't have the ability to go to a congregation where they agree enough to stay at a congregation in their area. That's usually not the case if you're close to a big city. Um, but especially with the emergence of the Torah movement, uh, no matter what branch of that you, you may uh, believe, you know, hold to, um, being part of the Torah movement, a lot of people have said, we're going to leave the standard Christian church that we were a part of, or we got kicked out of the standard Christian church that we were a part of. Now what do we do? Um, there is a huge benefit to what we would consider church. And when, when I say church, I don't necessarily mean what many of our listeners might think I mean. What I mean by church is a body of believers that gets together to worship and to hold each other accountable. And this is really where Lewis's question comes to a point. The question about pastors and elders. I don't have a problem with home fellowships. Obviously, this is how uh, this is how the early church started. But one of the things that we see is that there is this interim time, uh, and then all of a sudden there are leaders appointed. One of the things that I've seen time and time and time again in uh, the Torah movement is that you'll have uh, home fellowships start and they will go and go and go and there's never any leadership appointed and people are off doing their own things and they're, they're believing their own thing. They're listening to Joe Schmo on the internet and not, you know, there's no accountability there because this guy believes in this calendar from this guy on the internet. And this guy believes in polygamy because this teacher said it on the internet or whatever it may be, right? There's all sorts of different winds of doctrine and there's no accountability because there's no one uh, who is watching over the souls of the people. There's no, the people are not submitting to anyone's authority. And I see this a little bit like at the end of Judges when he says, and everyone was doing what was right in their own heart, right? I mean, I know it's different, but it's kind of the, it's kind of the, what we, what we see happening. So I think that a home fellowship is totally fine, but ultimately there has to be leadership and that will naturally happen. And if somebody doesn't 
Uh, and if that doesn't happen, you're going to have people who come in and stir up lots of trouble. I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. I can't count. Rob. Yep. I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> yep. That's right. <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, where, where I live, there is, there is a, a, what I call kind of a more loose network like uh, of acquaintances, like messianic acquaintances of the Pacific Northwest. Right. And within that, within that loosely defined network, you have all manner of, of difference in opinion and passion and zeal, but also education, vast difference in actual education. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult time, you know, I, I mean, it's just, it's a difficult time we're in, uh, because you have all these factors, the, the, all the good things of community, but then all the, the, the things that bring, bring ground scriptural groundedness. Um, and, and with the, with what I think of the messianic community is, um, and maybe that's you know what you call a Hebrew roots, um, the this kind of rejection of authority. But then you have in some who then cling to some sort of they want to raise up like a bet din or they want to ordain messianic rabbis, and that's kind of I see that as a response to it's like there's an intuitive God that's like yeah well we can't be without authority, right because so we need to somehow model but we can't be like the church. So we're going to set up messianic rabbis, right? And then those messianic rabbis will. But then you have the issue of like Shapira or, you know, people who are like rabbi and then they're welcomed, but then they're, but it's the same problem folds over again. So the authority structure doesn't even really function to keep the food for the flock clean and pure and, and fresh water. So, so then you have the people who are even appointed themselves as overseers, like welcoming in, it's kind of like a border crisis, right? It's like a border crisis. They're welcoming in all this sort of poison. And it just, it, it, it shows that it reminds me of Isaiah. It says the whole body is, you know, is infected you know, it's, I mean, I'm talking to, I'm talking to a group right now that's having this exact problem. They don't have any official leadership. And so what happened, even, I mean, there's leadership, but leadership that that's not effective because they, they're not uh, dividing right from wrong. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, you have people who are equipped to say, no, this isn't right, but they haven't been recognized by the entire group as leaders. And so what you have is, is you have people coming in and saying, well, I think you should be on this calendar or, oh, I think that the name should be pronounced this way. And these are all peripheral things, but nobody's set up as leader, as a official leader to say, sit down, shut up or leave. And so because of that, you have now all of a sudden there's all this discord going on and, and where you really see this taking a real bad turn is when you get doctrinal issues like important doctrinal issues that people should leave communities over. Deity of Christ, 66 book canon, the things that really matter. This is where, you know, this is where leadership is, you know, and the thing is that the apostolic scriptures clearly put leaders in, uh, they they establish leadership within the communities for this very purpose. That's a great question. Okay, let's move on. Um, Okay. This is an interesting question from Cody. This was on a a, a short video that we clipped from, I think, our last show, where we talked about canon, right? And we got a lot of pushback. It's unfortunate how much pushback uh, we got on an established canon. But this is from Cody. And sometimes I think that it's important to talk about the issues that people just take for granted. Uh, and, And this is one of them. Cody writes in, he says, why do we think there has to be an inspired canon. Okay. Um, so I think that this is important to talk about just because, you know, wow. Yeah. 
Can I? Please, I'll I'll go second. So it's you know this week's Torah portion in in the one year cycle is covers the the actual Exodus. So it's it's basically Exodus thirteen through fifteen. So it's after after the Passover the, when they leave, but it's and then they go through the the water being split. Right. And then they do the song of the sea, right? And the very end, so I've been meditating on this this year, this week. And at the very end of Exodus 14, it says, and they believed the, uh, and then they trusted in the Lord and in Moses, his servant. And, and the question there is, how is Moses an object of faith? Just like Adonai. And, and the point is this, is there's no, you can't please God and reject his prophets at the same time. It, it's like if you go to Korah, Korah and the Korah's rebellion, they're like, oh, everybody's holy. Like Korah thought himself to have access to God in a way that he could dismiss the authority of Moses. Right. And, and that is, that is crucial. You can't, we can't approach God and reject his messengers. It doesn't work. And that, that's exactly why Yeshua says to, to the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, he says, uh, uh, John's baptism, was it from heaven or was it from men? And they're like, well, they're, they're like going through the, like, they're running through the, the answer. Well, if we say yes, if it's from heaven, then da 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 da. But if we say no, da, da, da. so they're trying to do their political calculation. Then they come out and they're like, "Well, we don't know." And and the idea is like, look, you're just living your own. You're living your best life now, and it's going to end real quick, because the reality is your best life now. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> God's <laughs> okay. God's God's prophets matter because they right. deliver His word. That's why they're called malachim angels that's why they're called messengers because their their word that they deliver is not their own word it's not like it's not like we're reading jeremiah's opinion you know or or, or malachi's i'm just going to give you in my opinion priests of how you should be no it's like this is the word of god and they're delivering it right that you can't please god and reject his prophets at the same time well if that's true that God sends prophets, we better be darn sure on, we better have a line of like, who is God's prophet and who's not, right? Like, and this is true. We don't even have to include the apostolic writings to go back to Jeremiah. They had an issue. Like who, which prophets are they going to listen to? Jeremiah's like, look, they're telling you shalom, shalom in God's name. But thus saith the Lord, I did not send them, right? Don't listen to them. So the crisis, this is still at a time when Solomon's temple is still standing, right? Before Jerusalem was destroyed, before the Babylonian captivity, and the priests and the king were like, oh, you know, like they had different voices and they what was they were confronted with the issue. Who is canonical? Is Jeremiah's words canon, meaning inspired from God or all these other prophets that are saying, Oh, you know, Shalom, Shalom from the Lord. Well, if, if it was just open Canon, you know, the, that, that's, the, that was the problem. There is no such thing as open Canon in the same way that, that the answer to Yeshua's question of the religious leaders, John's baptism, is it from heaven or from men? That's the level of confrontation we have with reality. It's like, okay, the, yes or no. It's not like, oh, well, we really like John. See, but... yeah, this this goes back this goes back to that same quote from from Judges, right? Each man did what was right in his own eyes. You have to if if you don't have a established inspired word of God in at some level and I believe that this goes all the way back to the garden, but if you don't have an established, inspired word of God, then what you have is you have open theism. You have, you have 
uh, postmodern thought. There is no real truth, basically. What I might believe God says one thing, you might believe he says another. Well, you take, you take the book of James as, as canonical, I take the book of Enoch as canonical. What this this uh, you know when even when I think to myself sometimes I've I I've uh, before I've thought man am I am I right has God really has God really revealed Himself you know is is this story really right have have I heard tr- the truth and I go through this same. Uh, exercise every time I start to think anything like that, which is, do I believe that God has revealed himself to man? And the answer is yes. Are we here for a reason? Or is it just abstract? And I do believe that we're here for a reason. What's that reason? Well, if there is a God, which I believe there is, he has revealed himself and he's told us why we're here and what the point is. And that can only be done through inspired text. God has to have spoken to us. And if we don't have... Uh, the, the word of God, then we're all left to just decide what we think is right and what's wrong. And that will always lead to trouble because man's heart is corrupt. And that's all there is to it. I think that the need for inspired text is very important. Um, I, I want to real quickly, I want to address uh, a little conversation that has taken place in the chat room. James says, tell me if I'm wrong, but wasn't one function of the bait dean and the pastor was to referee the debate in church that lasted all day. And I responded and say, said, you would need to give receipts on that. In other words, uh, I, I don't think I have seen any evidence that that is exactly what was happening. Next Level Solutions says, uh, if not, then that's a great approach. I would like to be able to Q&A after sermons and teachings right in front of the congregation so that we all get to collectively share wisdom. Now, let's pause right here because there there's more to this conversation, but I want to pause right there. Here's the thing. I've been in congregations my entire life. My father's congregation in Tacoma, Washington is a congregation where if you, during his teaching time, which lasts about 45 minutes to an hour, if you uh, have a question or you disagree, you can raise your hand and he will, he will let you ask your question and talk right there. This has blown up into huge debates and huge back and forths within the congregation. When uh, we started the group that started in our home and then moved into a church building, we had the same format. People could raise their hands at just about any time. I personally, being in that my entire life, don't like it. And I'll tell you why. We, I've, I've gone to many, many congregations that, that function the exact same way. I'll tell you why I don't like it. I don't like it because of, for two reasons. Number one, you get people who disagree on harebrained things that get the mic or raise their hands and totally take the focus off of where the, the pastor or the teacher ha- is attempting to take the congregation. And to me, it's not only distracting, but it can be heretical, especially when you get people getting the mic who who believe all sorts of weird stuff. So that's number one. Number two is that if now this, I'm I'll probably get a lot of pushback for this, but if we believe that God has instated the pastor to to uh, exegete the Word of God and reveal to the congregation what. God, what, what is meant in a passage and how we as a congregation are supposed to live it out, then there is a, and this, by the way, is the standard view of the church uh, in the past, is that the, the, um, the pastor has a function that is not necessarily inspired, but is sanctioned by God. Now, we could go all over the place in this conversation. But for me, I think that as the congregation, we should listen and hear what the pastor has to say. Now, if there needs to be a time for Q&A afterwards in another room or something like that, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's great. In fact, I think that pastors and leaders should make themselves available to have conversations with the entire congregation about questions and things like that. But for me personally, growing up in multiple congregations where people could raise their hands and ask questions, I... I just thought that's how it should be always until I hit my 30s 
And then I started going other places where it's like, you know what, it's really nice to hear an uninterrupted sermon where I can actually focus on what the pastor's trying to get, like the point that the pastor's trying to get across. Now, that's not going to be for everybody. So anyway, back to the conversation in the chat room. James responds and says, because Paul spent all Shabbat in debate in the synagogue. This is where I would disagree with James a little bit on this. And this is to say, Paul was a very, very, very respected teacher in first century, in first century ancient Near East. He was raised at the feet of Gamaliel, right? He was given papers by the priest to go and round up Christians. He had clout. He had clout probably all the way into uh, Rome, right? And why is that? Because uh, when he gets to Rome, they say, we haven't received any word about you. In other words, they knew who he was enough to give him an audience, but they hadn't received any word saying, don't listen to Paul anymore. He's a Christian now. So his renown goes all over the place. And the thing is, is that I think when we see Paul going into synagogues, people see Paul and they're like, oh my word. It's like seeing, you know, I don't know, choose your favorite, you know, for Presbyterians, it'd be like R.C. Sproul walking in and saying, you know, can I sit in the, in the <laughs> pew for, you know, for the Baptists, it might be somebody else, right? You, you got all or the Pentecostals. You know, uh, yeah. Who? <laughs> I, I don't know. Benny, but, Benny yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, here, here, did the question have to do with the bet, Dan? Was that mentioned? He says the bait Dean and the pastors. Oh, okay. The bet Dean, we have to understand a it's, that's a rabbinic term used for something completely different, which is, has to do with rule, giving ruling, for example, damages or something in the community. You know, my ox, you know, tramples Caleb's fence and, um, you know, damages his chicken coop. Right. Okay. And which then, is worth uh, a lot right now. Right. Right. <laughs> so the idea is like, okay, first of all, I'm not, I might say, Oh, you know, I, you know, it's Caleb's fault because he was supposed to fix the fence and we had this agreement and then he failed, you know, or it's, I, you know, I need to get my own ox under my own control, you know? So we like, we're going, ah, you owe me, no, you owe me. And then we need someone to come out and inspect the matter. And then, and we go, Oh, okay. So Rob owes Caleb 300 shekels. Right. And then we're going to call it good. Right. Um, so that's the kind of thing that the bet din is going to function. It did not function in a way of, uh, Bibles, uh, uh, you know, judging Bible studies, that kind of thing. So just, just a little clarity there. Ultimately, I think I like what now I am going to agree with next level solutions and with James in that, although I don't necessarily think that that uh, I think the debates that we're seeing in the apostolic scriptures of Paul going into the synagogue, I think might be a little bit different um, than just open conversation. Now, when we see now when we see Paul uh, preaching into the night, right, and Eutychus falls out of the out of the uh, window, this might be different. Because this might not be a formal gathering of like, I, I see this more as like, hey, we have a guest speaker coming. We're all getting together for dinner up in this room. Come on up and we'll all chat and have a good time. And if, you know, I follow my, I've followed my father on his teaching engagements many, many times. And this ultimately is what happens. There will be a time where he's teaching. You know, it's a formal time of teaching. We record it. And then there's this time when everybody's just hanging out. Everybody's having dinner and people are asking might add questions and he's answering questions and it's this it's very much a conversation. I think that we need to have this kind of interaction with the congregation uh, and leaders on a regular basis. So I agree with James and Next Level Solutions that that yeah, there needs to be a time when there is Q and A, but I'm not sure that there that that is during the formal time of fellowship when the pastor is giving his message. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, anyway, so I, I think that it, and <laughs> I'll go one further. And I think that this should be regulated, how this works should be regulated by the leaders. Now this read that, that it implies that there's some sort of 
what what they call episcopos, right? The overseer, like oversight, someone right. who is invested in the souls, like you alluded to earlier, that recognizes these are precious souls. That the and traditionally, like we know from Acts 13, you know, the law and the prophets are read. So that means everybody together is hearing the word of God. And it's scripture. That's another argument or, or another point, bullet on the 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 uh, assertion of canon, right? They're they're not reading the book of Enoch on a Shabbat, right? They're right. reading the law and the prophets, right? And then and then they say, okay, brothers, does anybody have anything to say? And then they talk about the gospel, Paul, whoever they talk about Yeshua, and and uh, that stirs up the community. Some believe, right. some want to hear more, some get really upset. I will tell and you so, this. I will tell you this at the at my father's community and at the community that I used to pastor. We called it the like the trial by fire. I, I tell you what I mean. I'll tell you what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. If you want to know if a teacher is really worth their salt, uh, then give them Q&A during the sermon. Now, once again, I, I'm not actually suggestion, suggesting that I, I agree with this, but I'll, I'll never forget. And, and by the way, the, the person I'm about to talk to uh, uh, listens to this show. I love him to death. But th this is kind of the deer in headlights kind of, of thing that would happen. You ask somebody to fill in as a teacher, Okay. And they say, yes, I'll fill in. But then they remember and they realize that people can raise their hands and ask questions in the middle of the sermon, which means whatever you say, you better have receipts on and you better be able to defend because you will get at like if you're in the if you're in a community that is used to that kind of thing, people will stop and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. How, you know, explain that to me. And so as a... Um, as a teacher, if you, if you know that that's going to happen, you have really got to be, you've really got to be worth your salt. Now, the unfortunate thing is, is that I have, uh, realized that if you're preaching and you're on a roll and you really feel like, you know, you're, you're really, people are engaged, you know, you feel like you're really explaining something well. People are nodding their head. You're getting, you know, you're getting going. Inevitably, what's going to happen is the four-year-old in the front row is going to raise their hand and ask some question that has nothing to do. I mean, it happens every time, right? And then you have to stop what you... So this is one of the reasons that I that I no longer uh, agree. Sometimes it's... I watched a YouTube video the other day. <laughs> you know, Monty Judah says. Um, yeah, so, so that it, that happens occasionally. I, yeah. I, and you know what? It it's it's part of the it's part of the curve, part of the learning. Rob Rob comes from the same thing. Rob's group did the exact same thing. You could raise your hand, to, and we went to you know the times that I. Not only did I enjoy visiting Rob's group, but I, I was actually asked to speak at, uh, at at Rob's group one time, and same thing. You know, and I've, so I've been, I've been a part of it. I know what it's like. Okay. Um, what could be said for the chair of Moses? I, yeah, that's a, you can find an article on the, on TorahResource.com about the seat of Moses and that, uh, and that, uh, what that might be. I think that that means reading the scriptures nonetheless. All right. We're, we're out of time for today. Wow. We uh, didn't it, even get to our Romans 14. We did not even get to Romans 14. But, we had a question okay. about Romans 14. That gives us a, a good centerpiece maybe for next week. Lord That's Lord. right. Um, yeah. And like I said, this is kind of a mixed bag today. We got to uh, some of the questions in the, uh, in the chat room, which was good. And actually, I have a lot of stuff in my show notes. In fact, right now it looks like I have three pages of comments, um, which is good. It means that we'll have stuff. We have stuff for next for next show. Uh, don't forget that we do a show every Friday uh, called Mystery Bible Theater Three Thousand. We are really, really getting under people's skin <laughs> in that segment. Um, and for our uh, for our producers, we try to do something every. Uh, every Monday. That hasn't happened for three weeks. I apologize. We apologize for that. However, 
that's kind of one of those things we, uh, if we post once a month in, in the, uh, in the supporters area, then we're happy. So we will try to do something this Monday for our supporters. And thank you everyone who helps produce this show. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, you can do so by shooting us an email, chegg at torresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. You can also, there it is, uh, call our comment line 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. We will be back next week, Lord willing. And uh, yeah, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. You know why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. <laughs>